Hello and welcome to another episode of the 8-8 podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Ching. And on this month's podcast, we talk to documentary photographer Emma Hall. Emma is an incredibly talented photographer from the United States. And throughout our conversation, she talks about leaving college to pursue her dreams, the importance of putting yourself out there and networking with the right people and and discusses the stories that have impacted her the most. So without further ado, welcome Emma Hall. So Emma, thank you so much for being part of the AA podcast. You're number three off the rank. Um, And I think it'd be awesome if you just told people kind of a brief the kind of synopsis about yourself, I guess, like what you do, how you started and all that kind of stuff. Wait, what does number three rank mean? Pardon? You said I'm number three rank? Yeah, you're number three. As in you're the third person, as in you're the third person after. <laughs> <laughs> you can be number one if you want. <laughs> no, um, yeah, so my name is Emma Hall. Um, photography business called e francis my middle name is is francis so that's why um but yeah i uh started off when i was probably 16 or 17 um just taking pictures of myself in my backyard um on self-timer with my dad's uh, professional camera and then i would edit them and then soon enough i uh sneak downtown with his camera and i'd take pictures of like homeless people or people who I thought were interesting. Um, and so that's kind of how like the photojournalism started um, in street photography. Yeah. And um, I went to my first year of college at Washington State. And after that year, um, I was majoring in psychology. And I knew I wanted something into in, in photography, but I wasn't really sure what branch I wanted to take it. So um, after that first year was up, I decided to go to Iceland for the summer because I had some friends that lived there and yeah. they gave opportunity to stay with them. And um, it's kind of all happened by chance, really. Like, right place, right time. Yeah. Uh, so I was 18 at the time, turning 19. After finishing my, my first year of college, I was in Iceland and lived there for about three months. And um, these two men who were kayaking from Greenland to Scotland uh, needed a young photographer to follow them on their journey. Um, So I knew a person and um, yeah, so I got the job and I traveled around Iceland and I sailed to Greenland um, and for about like a couple months and just photographed these these men. And after that, I was like, you know what, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. So I quit college and decided to fully pursue photography that way. Um, so yeah, that's that's crazy. And how long how long did that trip take from Iceland to Greenland or whatever? Um, so Iceland and Greenland aren't too far away. Um, so we chartered a sailboat, or like you know the the sponsors did. Yeah. And um, so it took about three days. Oh, so that's not not too bad. Yeah. So. Um, but it was really fun. I love, I love boats. I love sailing. So, um, I just had the time of my life. (laughs) That's that's awesome. And so when you, when you were going to, when you took your dad's camera and you snuck out and stuff like that to go downtown and, 
and take portraits of people. Um, I had an interesting conversation with someone once that like, I don't know if you agree with the sentiment, but when you were, when you were trying to pick people for portraits, did you find that you could take a good portrait of anyone or did they have to have a certain story to tell or a certain look about them to be able to capture that essence? Yeah, I think, I think everyone has a story to tell. Um, it's just a matter of getting them to tell it to you. Yeah. Uh, but the look that I go for, I started out taking pictures of, um, of really old men because I found, I found their faces very interesting. I found their, you know, um, most people, yes, think of wrinkles as a bad thing. Yeah. Um, I loved it because, you know, it showed that they had experienced like this life and, you know, they had sadness, they had happiness, they had, um, you know, had experienced so much. And so that was the original look that I would go for. But anyone who just stood out to me or that I was drawn to, um, I just asked, I was like, you know, can I represent you? Yeah. No, that, yeah, I, I love taking photos of old people as well. That's my... (laughs) I think that's how I started um, doing um, doing photography was when I was traveling. I just loved kind of walking through the markets and then like seeing the old people running the stores and stuff. Yeah. And, and yeah, I think you're right. They just have that experience on their, on their face. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so talk, talk to me more about your, your other work, because I guess I'm, I'm very familiar with your work. I'm a big fan of your work. Um, <laughs> but you do a lot of documentary work and you've been to some really interesting, really cool places. So maybe talk, talk a bit more about that. Um, so I was originally in Iceland. I was more drawn to expedition photography and adventure photography. But, um, then when I got home from Iceland, um, I had heard about the Standing Rock, um, pipeline protests. I don't know yeah. how much you got. Yeah. Um, but so of course I still had this idea that I wanted to take pictures of people and I had seen what was happening on the media and the pictures that were being standing rock. And, um, I was like, I know that I can take better pictures than this. I know I can represent these people way better than, than what I'm seeing on the internet. So, um, that's kind of when my documentary and like conflict, um, photography kind of really got off the ground, um, was with that because I was living in Seattle at the time and um, decided I just bought a backpack and took a 36-hour train ride to San Francisco. Um, no plan. I think I had one act that I knew of and um, just brought a tent and just lived lived there for a couple months. Whoa. And uh, yeah, so that's kind of when, after I got back from that, I was like, I, you know, I had, I had the bug. I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't yeah. not. Um, yeah. So that led me to, um, doing more documentary work and eventually taking a conflict photography workshop in Spain because I knew that I wanted to focus on conflict and post-conflict zones. Yeah. And, um, after that, you know, I was like, okay, let's, let's fucking do this. Right. Yeah. You know, like let's story something let's see something um and that's when i came across kenya um and the political violence protests that were happening over there yeah uh, so i did my research i found a photojournalist on instagram who i liked his work and i said hey i have a project you want to do it yeah and he was 
yeah, come, come with me, my family. And so I was like, all right. So I bought a one-way ticket to Kenya. And um, from there, I just did multiple self-assignments. As you know, I went to the Ethiopian border and did a story on um, the refugees and uh, things like that. So, yeah. That's intense. What was that? Because... I, I've been to Africa a couple of times and I know Africa can be a really intense place, but also it's one of my favorite places I've ever visited. But what is that like, the process of just deciding you're going to, you're going to buy a one-way ticket and not have an end date and just, and just kind of self-sustain yourself through that whole thing? Um, well, it's pretty, I don't know, but for me anyways, I've always kind of had that, um, I hate using the word wanderlust, but <laughs> I think more like nomadic tendencies would probably be better. Yeah. Um, I, for me, buying a one-way ticket is, it's not that big of a deal. It's mm. kind of like, um, I'm a very open person, so I don't like being roped into the fact that I have to come back. Yeah, yeah. So the idea that I could just go and do my thing and just kind of figure out what will happen, what I'm going to photograph next, you know, it's just like exciting to me. And that's, that's what ultimately drives me is the excitement behind it. Yeah. 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 That's, that's really cool because you've, you've, you've done some cool things. I mean, you've been in refugee camps, like you said, you're in Kenya for the political violence and, and, and then obviously you did the standing rock thing as your starting thing. Um, what for you, is there any, any specific assignment or story that stands out as one of the most memorable? I think my brain is like flashing back. Um, (laughs) I'm like sliding through all my pictures right now. Um, I think say this cause it sounds so typical. Um, but each one of the experiences that I've had has been so unique mm. and I've met amazing people that, you know, obviously my photography wouldn't be anything without my subjects and their amazing stories and, you know, their willingness to let me represent them and photograph. Um, and so each, each experience, each story, each assignment has brought me to so many different kinds of people. Um, you know, I, I grew up um, in Northeast Oregon where um, uh, Native Americans are heavily present and, um, you know, the culture and, and that kind of stuff. And so I grew up learning about it, but going to Standing Rock and living in a teepee with a tribe and, you know, learning all of these traditional ways just brought so much more insight on, you know, into Native Americans and that and then going to Kenya and um, experiencing that culture is just so completely different. Um, and they're both so beautiful in different ways. Um, you know, and as you know, I went to Lebanon and did a story on the female peacekeepers. Yeah, yeah. And even that, just going to all the different base camps and uh, meeting all these different types of women from all different types of backgrounds. It's just each each story is so unique that... I can't, I can't pick one. <laughs> you can't pick, you're the first one to not be able to pick one. <laughs> so you're set. You, you've, you've done it. You're the first of, of that. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Number- yeah. 
No, that's... I think I think you're right, though. I think it's it's hard to compare things and experiences that are so uniquely different that it's 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 just difficult to do that. But talk talk me through the, the Lebanon trip. Um, how did that come about? And what was the assignment there? Because I've seen it, but I don't know how many people might have seen it. So, um, this goes back to buying the one-way tickets um, and being open to what the what the universe has to offer you. Yeah. Um, yeah, so when I was in Kenya, and it, again, right place, right time type of thing, um, I literally, I don't use Twitter that much. Um, but I have tweeted, you know, a few photos of mine Yeah. and one guy, um, I, I posted, I think there was like a picture of me flipping off the camera and I was like, my reaction when people say I'm too young to be a photojournalist or something. Yeah. And I saw it that was following me and was like, Hey, my brother covered his first war when he was 17. Um, here's his profile. Turns out he's really really well-known conflict photographer his name is sebastian rich um hope focus on instagram and um he you know he messaged me and he was like hey you know give, just gave me some words of encouragement um really was really impressed with my work and um so so yeah so then we let just started talking more um bouncing ideas off of each other uh, and that kind of stuff. If I was struggling with an assignment in Kenya, you know, I went to him, I was like, what's your perspective? What can I do? You know, just kind of like what photojournalists do, um, to help each other out. Yeah. <laughs> then he was like, I want to give you as many opportunities as I can, um, because he's, he's older and, um, he has a lot of really great connections. And so he's like, I'm doing a personal project with Unifil, um, with the UN peacekeepers in Lebanon. I want you to come along and photograph it. So that's, um, yeah, so that's what I did. And I booked a ticket to Lebanon after I was, uh, my visa was done in Kenya. And um, we stayed there for a week. And it was basically just focusing on females' roles in the military. Um, so we interviewed doctors. We interviewed a woman who had climbed Everest multiple times, um, infantry leaders, uh, trainers, I mean, just like a whole range of just badass women. Yeah, so. no, I really enjoyed that story. And I think the theme of like women around the world is an important thing. I mean, I met, I met a, a girl that was traveling Africa on her own and was like, just going through Congo and Ethiopia and stuff like that. And this was just like a tiny Japanese chick. And she was the most badass chick I've ever met in my life. Um, she was amazing. Um, but also, I'm, I meet I meet girls when I travel and, and they talk about how hard it is for them to be traveling alone, especially. Um, and I was wondering, for your for you, obviously, you're someone that I'm getting the vibe that will do anything within, within reason, obviously, but you'll embrace the challenges that life throws at you. But have there ever been moments where you've been like a bit, this is a bit hairy now? Um, honestly, I think, you know, I do... Uh, you know, um, for me, I do like to push the limits when it comes to my safety because it's just, well, you know, it's my safety, it's like whatever, right? Um, but <laughs> when it comes to family and they're like, why are you even going to Kenya? Why are you not even, why are you leaving the country? <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> so I think there has never been a situation where 
I've been like, oh, you know, maybe I shouldn't go. I, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's always been, okay, what, what can I get? What story can I get um, from this experience? How do I get it? Um, You know, it's just, it's all about telling the story. It's all about getting the photo. And I think that will probably get me in trouble someday. But, um, you know, of course, like as a woman, you face daily like sexual harassment, especially in Africa as as a white, as a white young female, especially, Um, you know, sexual harassment, people trying to grab you, people grabbing your hair, people coming up to you, following you, things like that. Um, But that's kind of where you just kind of you have to put on a face, you know, and um, eventually you get over it. I mean, that happens to me here. That happens to women in America. Um, mm. So it's something that was like a surprise. Yeah. When I was more probably. Yeah. I'll just keep pushing the limits and until I get the story that I want. Yeah. So. I mean, that that's an impressive attitude. I did see a worried face behind you, though, when you were talking about it before, so. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, no, I, I, I admire that. I think that's maybe something I wish I had a bit more of and I'm not even, I'm not even a girl or a female or whatever, but sometimes I'm just like this, this shit gets too intense for me. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I think, I don't know. I think part of me is also, you know, I get, I gave up college to pursue a career in photography and photojournalism and I, I've always had the attitude. It's like, I I have to succeed. I have to, for me, not people, I don't have to have, you know, be successful for other people, but I have to feel like I'm doing something and that this was worth me not going to college, that this traveling to Kenya, that me going to this refugee camp and spending the night with these refugees was worth me not getting an education. And granted, you know, am getting an education just in a different way than most people yeah but you know especially in america um you know if you're not going to college then you know you're gonna be working at walmart or something for the rest of your life (laughs) but i think i think that's the thing that our like our generation is going through the trade-off of either going to university or college or pursuing their own thing i mean i meet a lot of people that are in university that are like really wanting to do something else but don't either don't have that kind of gusto that they need to be able to commit fully like you have um so maybe talk a bit more about that process of deciding all right i'm just i'm just dropping college and then i'm gonna go do this thing because for me i my process was a bit different like i finished university i studied politics and criminology and those were my majors and i wrote a thesis and all that and when i finished i was like these, this isn't my way of kind of doing things. I didn't enjoy it at all. And that's when I made the decision, all right, I'm going all out on something else. So may, I, maybe I was a bit of a cop-out. I, did, I finished university, then decided it. I think yours is a braver route. And obviously for you, it's working out and you've, and you've seen the world and you've learned a lot of things. So maybe talk, talk to people a bit th- through that process. So I think um, for me, I'm emotional I really go off of what I'm feeling rather than logic per se Mm. I was in Iceland and I you know was thinking about 
okay, should I not go to college? Should I go to college? You know, I was crying. I was tossing and turning in bed. I was losing sleep over it. I knew that in my heart, it was the right decision. I knew what I wanted to do. And I knew that I needed to do it then. And I couldn't, I couldn't spend the next four years pretend, you know, pretending that I didn't want to go see the world or pretending that I needed this bachelor's degree in psychology um, and things like that. And I remember I was on top of a mountain and um, like the, there was also being a documentary film made about it. And so the director was like putting up some sort of like time-lapse camera or something. And I was sitting in the car and it was really, really windy. And we were on top of this mountain and I was like, I can't go back. I can't do it. And when I told, you know, my roommates or, and my parents and that kind of stuff, it just, it felt right. And for me, that's enough reason to Mm. do some, if it feels right. And if it feels like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. That's all that matters. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what other people think um, about your decision. You know, as much as I do value my friends and family's input, um, you know, I have to do what's right for me at the end of it. And that's kind of how I feel about assignments as well. Um, I have to feel really passionate about the assignment that I go on. I have to feel that it's right. Um, And when I have an assignment that I know will be good and that I'm passionate about, I just, it clicks. I just have this feeling as soon as I, you know, I hear it and I think about it and I do research on it and I'm like, okay, this is it. Go do it, do what you have to do um, and tell it right. And so that's how, that's how Standing Rock came about. That's how going to Kenya came about. That's how going to the uh, refugee camp, you know, it's just like, it's all based on feelings for me. Yeah. No, that's cool. I think a lot of people overthink their decisions nowadays when your first instinct is usually the right instinct um yeah and i think that's admirable and people need to hear that these sort of stories where 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 young people like yourself just go if this isn't feeling right for me if this process isn't feeling right for me then i have to make make sure that i find a system or process that works for myself that works in my favor and i mean that's why your story and that's why i was interested in telling that story is because I mean, you're obviously very young, but you've done a lot of things that most people will never do in their life and see things most people will never see in their life. And for me, that is infinitely more valuable than sitting in a classroom. Um, you know, I'll, I feel that I've learned a lot more than I ever have on the road rather than have been in uni. And that's just, yeah. And, you know, of course, like for a lot of people, that classroom feel that, you know, everything like that is is super important. Um, but it just, it was the right learning, uh, curve for me. I needed some, I needed something tactical. I needed to learn things on my own. And I had found that I was skipping classes to go and take pictures and, you know, go and adventure. It's like, okay, when you start skipping classes to go do that, maybe, you know, maybe that's something that you should just, you shouldn't even be going to class in the first place. You should just be, you know, traveling what's the what's the plan next then any any other trips coming up any assignments anything exciting well um i hope that there's something exciting in store Uh, (laughs) like (laughs) we'll see you know again it's just like kind of going off the the feeling um 
right now with the immigration um, conversation happening in America on the border and things. Um, you know, that story has been told really well by a great photographer, Jonathan Moore, um, and that has stirred the conversation and, you know, started the conversation and everything. So I don't need to go and do that story. Um, but I did find, you know, uh, some kids that are being um, detained. I hate using that word for kids mm. um, that being t- detained in Oregon. And so I've, you know, I'm in communication with the executive um, director for it. And hopefully we can set up a story um, and I can take some pictures. And, you know, photography is my avenue of helping people. Um So when something like this immigration um, conversation happening right now, I can't do anything monetarily. I don't I don't know how else to help besides photography and take pictures, other people aware. So hopefully that will that will lead into something. And, and, you know, maybe I I do want to focus more on on conflict zones. And I want to take that next step up from the political violence in Kenya um, and maybe do a, an embed with the U.S. Marines for a few weeks or um, something like that. So just keeping my options up. <laughs> no, that's cool. And I think knowing what you can best offer, because when when things like this, when issues like this happen, a lot of the general public's response is to just give money because it feels like that's enough that if you've contributed monetarily, then it's kind of like out of sight, out of mind. Um, I've noticed the attitude, but knowing how you can best contribute in terms of storytelling is so important. Um, I met when I was in South Africa, I was, I was in the, I was in the slums and I met a, a family who invited me in for dinner and stuff like that. And for them, they didn't ever ask for, for my money. They, they just wanted someone to come in and get to know them and tell their story once they left and take photos of them and stuff like that. And so, yeah, I, it's so important to know how you can contribute apart from money because a lot of us have so many different skills and talents that we might not necessarily be aware of, but once you're locked into that zone and you understand and you can feel it, the world will become such a more, uh, will become a better place, I guess, because all these different messages and stories will be floating around. Yeah. Yeah and someone who can help monetarily or in some other way um, sees it, then, you know, that's that's perfect. My job is done, you know. <laughs> as long as, like, someone, as long as someone cares, someone, you know, wants to make a difference because of the photo that I took, it doesn't matter if it's one person or a million people, yeah. you know. That's that's purpose for my, my photography oh no that's 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 really cool and i mean i i found your photography on instagram i've i've connected with so many awesome people on instagram um and the story that you shared with the a8 um the the girl school in kenya was i is easily one of my favorites that we've published so far um so what was i guess you, you, the, the title of it was The Hidden Girl School in rural Kenya. Um, give us some background into how that story came about and, and um, the story of the girls there. So, uh, like I had mentioned earlier about me um, being in Kenya and 
finding this guy on Instagram, this journalist who I liked his work and inviting and him inviting me into his home to live with him and his wife and um, that kind of stuff uh, was like a huge deal. And he was actually the um, or is the personal photographer for one of the uh, political candidates in Kenya, Rilo Odinga. And um, so he has a lot of connections and he goes to a lot of events um, for the Odingas to photograph it. Um, And so he would bring me along to these events. And there was one weekend where this, uh, the Ogande Girls School was in Kisumu County, or no, it was in Homa Bay County. Um, And uh, like south of, of, uh, God, is it south of Nairobi? I'm not good with directions. (laughs) Uh, don't mark my word on that. <laughs> I'm like trying to picture a map. But anyways, um, it was for uh, the first lady, Ryla's wife. Um, it was a, a woman's empowerment assembly. Um, and it's called Mama County Says. And it's where girls' schools from all over Kenya come to uh, to Homa Bay County. Um, and Ida uh, Odingo was speaking there um, to all of these girls. And... It was so far out of of um, any main town. I mean, dirt roads. I probably was the only white person within like a hundred mile radius, maybe. Um, it just it was so rural and um, so beautiful. And uh, just seeing these women um, or girls, I guess, uh, live in these. Um, they lived there full time and went. You know went there for their education and everything, but I'm over a thousand different girls there, um, all learning about HIV AIDS, um, about, you know, sex, about consent, about, um, that, you know, that just because we're women, uh, doesn't mean that we can't do things like become a doctor, become a lawyer, you know, um, play the trumpet, you know, it's just like, it was one of those really empowering things for women. And it's so important for know that especially in Kenya where there is very hardcore roles that both women and men have that are so cemented into their culture um that women who are you know be- or that are growing up now times are changing you know women are doing more women are having their own careers they're not depending on men anymore um and I, it was so good to see that Kenya was you know, trying to make a difference and trying to inspire these girls. And so um, after the assembly was over, I interviewed some of the uh, girls that went to that school that hosted the female empowerment assembly. Um, And so I just thought it was just like this amazing thing that no one would have guessed in the most like a rural place in Kenya. There was this amazing girls school that Um, I, you know, I interviewed women that wanted to be doctors and lawyers, like I was saying, and it was just like amazing that you just never would have, that would be in rural Kenya, you know? (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's such a, that's such a cool story. And that's why I love, I love that story. It's my favorite, it's right up there with one of my favorites that we've published. Um, And, and for you, like your experiences are entwined with kind of like the political space. And obviously, I mean, I heard a quote on a podcast I was listening to that we live in troubling times. Um, For you, having done the work that you've done and seen the things that you've seen, 
do you agree with that sentiment or do you still is there is there moments when you go there is hope i guess for the world because a lot of people around the world are feeling that pinch you know that kind of that's an ever evolving opinion i think for me and that's one of the things that i struggle with the most as a photojournalist you know as a documentary photographer that am i you know doing anything am i am i um helping in some way and going back to what you were saying if that saying if i think that saying is um I, you know <laughs> that's a tough one because you want to be positive but for me um the world is pretty stuck in its way people there will always be conflict there will always be someone that immense hatred, you know, a bad spirit, there will always be differences in the world. And when people say that they want to change the world, I hate it when people say that because you can't can't change the world. You can change maybe if people's mind, you know, you can change hundreds of people's minds, but you cannot world. And I, I think the world is just stuck in its ways. And yes, when I go to these places, when I go to the refugee camps and things like that, you know, you really do see the best side of humanity. You know, I was invited into a refugee's home and they didn't, they didn't expect anything in return. They fed me. They, you know, made sure that I was warm enough. They, they just did everything that they could to make me feel at home. And then you also meet the people and photograph the people that, do these things to these nice people it's horrible so you see the best side and the worst side of people when you're doing this kind of work mm. and that's why you i go back and forth on okay you know is is the world good is it bad but honestly i'm pretty sinister when it when it comes to the world there will always be bad people but but, don't, but do you but don't you wouldn't you agree that your work can change this, like, I mean, when when I think about how work like this can change the world, I, I think about it on a micro level rather than the macro, which is someone like me who reads your work, then you change my opinion on different things. So you've technically changed my world in a weird roundabout sense. And I think that your work might impact people's worlds more than you realize. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. And that's what that's what I hope to achieve like you know like I said earlier if it could just impact one person um then that's great and I think that there's a lot of photographers that that do that up there and you know I hope that my photography is doing that and if not then I I get to a place where it is Mm. um but I yeah I think on a micro level changing someone's inner world is probably better than changing the whole entire world at once yeah (laughs) so so yeah no i i agree and i think that's a better out i mean that for me over the years i mean i've always wanted to to do big and great things and and change the world in that way but i'm realizing more and more that that is an unrealistic like expectation for oneself and if you can just focus on changing the views and opinions of people around you and the people you come into contact every day like for me that's become enough you know that's why I do this and talk to interesting people and then share your stories because it's, 
it's important for people to understand that not everything is black and white and that there are people that are doing important things and, and covering important topics that, you know, that do good work as well. Well, more people like you. No, <laughs> no, I, I, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm super self-aware. Like when I, when I started photography, I don't think I have the knack that maybe someone you, like you would have. Um, I, I know that I can write. And, and so like, like you were saying, and that's become my avenue of, of telling stories and, and, and sharing different perspectives. And so for me to be able to talk to people that, that are able to offer a different perspective through a different medium is, is super important because I learn a lot of stuff as well, not only by looking at your work, but also just listening to what you guys have to say is like just mind blowing for me because you've done things that I wish I could have done, but you know, there's time. <laughs> I know there's still time. There's plenty of time. We're very young. So it's, you know, it's all, it's all up there. I, I, I really want to do some refugee work as well um, and, and be in that space because you know, being a migrant myself, moving countries is scary enough. So I can't imagine, I can't imagine what it's like for people who are going through that, that sort of trauma and that sort of experience is, is unreal. And I can't even fathom it. You know, a version of, of what it's like. So I think that that will really help you have more empathy than someone who, you know, is a, is a white person and, you know, grew up in a very privileged place. And, you know, I just, when I was growing up, I had no idea there was even like people that did homes, right? Because I was so, you know, in my, in my bubble. Um, so, yeah, I think it's really important. And people would connect, especially refugees would connect you more because you come from a place where you can, you have a general understanding, you mm. know. What what role do you think? I'm sorry, I'm just going off the questions now and just. <laughs> what role do you think the white community has to play, in all this? Because, I think it's not. I and that's not that's not like a. I'm not blaming anyone, but I think, oh. you know, I I I sometimes think from both sides, there can be a lot of misunderstanding of what's expected of each other. And I mean, I don't know, from your perspective and your role within kind of like the creative space, what do you think can be done better? Done better. Well, I think, um, and I posted this on my Instagram and I wish I had made it a highlight, um, but I don't, I don't know if there, but, um, there was a thing that I saw, um, and he, I mean, obviously, you know about this, um, but like the whole white savior complex, right? Um, my work at Peeve is like when people, when white people go to, um, especially, no offense if anyone listening is a missionary, but <laughs> really, you know, I'm not religious. I really don't like it when white Christian people go to African slums and just make it about them and make be like oh look how much i'm helping look how much i'm doing this you know all that kind of stuff and so i think that i mean i've even been guilty of that i think every white person has been guilty of like you know kind of right having this white savior complex when they travel and um the end we're educated about it and we can you know consciously make an effort okay this is not right this you know this is what we need to do um but i think 
definitely in Africa um, was a huge learning curve for me, especially going to the refugee camp. Um, you know, I, I stayed the night with that with that woman because she invited me. I didn't ask anyone to take pictures or videos of me, but my fixer did just on his own accord. Um, and he gave them to me. And there was one video where there was a bunch of children and, um, you know, obviously Kenyans don't have long yeah. blonde hair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> all of them touching and playing with my hair. And it was a really special moment for me. Um, and so I posted it on my Instagram story. And um, this one black, I think African American um, messaged me about it. And she was like, Oh, my gosh, just another white person going to Africa and making it about them, you know, and just completely blew up on me. And I think there was a lesson to be learned there, um, but I also was very um, selfish, and I was like, that's not me. I'm not trying to, you know, portray that. Um, that was a very, like, special moment between me and the children. I never asked for anything to be taken of me, you know, the, the, my fixer did, and it's just, like, I think a huge learning curve, and you just really have to be careful about what you post and the way that it could come across yeah uh, and so i think white people's role need to be a little <laughs> you know we need to take a look at ourselves as a whole and even though i know that i'm not one of those people and i'm not trying to make it about me um i need to look at it from someone else's point of view that's just mm. And I need to look at how that affects other African-Americans and things like that. So, so yeah. Yeah. And, and from someone who's obviously I'm not white, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, but I think on the, on the flip side of that, it's also ethnic people not, not looking at the context of, of like, I mean, in that instance of what you were talking about is it's that one image or video taken in isolation of a body of work that represents so much good work that you've done for these minorities and these communities that are ostracized from the rest of society. And for me, listening to that, it's someone who's just looking for that one thing to blow up on you about rather than looking at the entire context of, a, of your work, if that makes sense. It's a difficult line because at the same time, you know, you don't want to be that white person. Um, I definitely don't want to be that white person. <laughs> and... I, you know, Evans, I went to Africa and, um, you know, I just tried really hard to be aware of what I was doing and how I was acting and, you know, even on social media, how I was portraying myself um, as a photojournalist. So I hope, I really hope that not a lot of people look at that way. But um, yeah, again, lesson, lesson learned. <laughs> Con context, context is everything. All right. <laughs> To end, usually I do I do like a three for three thing. So I'm going to ask you three different questions and you just got to give me like quick answers. Okay, okay, I'm ready. All right, three, pe <laughs> three people that are inspiring you right now. Right now. Oh my God. <laughs> um, well, there's a lot of like photojournalists that I follow on Instagram that inspire me, um, especially like young female photojournalists, like... Uh, Nicole Tung, um, there's a woman, I can't remember her full name, but I, Geraldine, um, she, 
Palestine right now. She's a young female photographer. Um, and then there's another woman photojournalist that's part of the Magnum Foundation. And her name's, uh, I don't know how to pronounce it, but I think it's Biake de Porter. It's spelled B-I-E-K-E. So, and she is just an amazing woman. She like would travel to foreign countries um, with no plan and meet someone and just ask to spend the night in their house. And she would just photograph people's daily life. I think, I think she was the one person that opened my eyes to documentary photographer or photography um, because she showed the beauty in the normal things, the things that, you know, regular people pass up. Um, so she made me see the beauty in, in sleeping in your own bed, you know? Yeah. Nice. All right. Three bands or musicians you're listening to right now. Kendrick Lamar, the 1975, and, um, oh gosh, what's his name? Kendrick Lamar, Kennedy. How good is Kendrick Lamar? I love Kendrick Lamar. Kendrick Lamar. He's just, I mean, the reason why I like him so much is because his lyrics have purpose. They're not just about strippers and having, even though some of them are, it's a good diversity but um they're also about things that matter like black lives and you know bringing awareness to race and and that kind of stuff yeah and then 75 are british band and they're absolutely amazing the lead singer is a genius and he writes all of his own songs and then dermot kennedy is a irish singer and he plays the guitar and does vocals so yeah amazing and the last question Three pieces of advice for young creatives in this space. I think my number one advice would be to kind of like what we talked about earlier would be to do it for your first, um, make the decision for yourself first to go. Um, and then if you're, photography or if you're painting or school or you know any creative thing like that um and you and you have a subject um first make it for yourself to make the decision for yourself and then do it for subject and then find some reason to do it um number two i think advice would be not to let other people influence what you or what you take photographs of. Because I think especially nowadays with Instagram and social media so prevalent, um, prevalent, I mean. (laughs) 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 Um, It's really hard not to recreate what other people are doing, if that makes sense. You know, the social, the Instagram social media type of like the woman with the big hat standing like on the edge, like looking up at a waterfall or whatever. (laughs) <laughs> like, I see one more photographer that does that style that style of photography, I will literally die. Like it's okay to take ideas and, you know, inspiration and stuff, but in the end, don't let other people have this, you know, influence over what you photograph. Mm-hmm. Like if you find a piece of garbage on the street that's interesting 
like, oh, wow, this light is really beautiful, fucking take the picture. Don't think, oh, will people on Instagram like this? No, fuck them. Take whatever you want. <laughs> That's the best piece of advice ever. <laughs> so, yeah, like I was saying earlier, you know, there's beauty in the ordinary things, the most ordinary things. And I think that's when you're truly living life is when you find beauty in, in your everyday life. Mm. Not, not when you travel, not when you go abroad. It's when you come home and you see your mother putting on makeup or, you know, the orange walls in my bedroom that are painted terribly, you know, <laughs> like the little ordinary things like that, that you have to see beauty in. And that's when you truly start a pre life. Nice. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I've I've learned a lot and I'm sure people are going to learn a lot by listening to it. <laughs> and that's it. That is this month's podcast with Emma Hall. We hope that you enjoyed it and that you got a lot out of it. And we hope to see you in the next podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.